this time of desperation When all we know is doubt and fear There is only one foundation We believe We believe We believe in God the Father We believe in Jesus Christ We believe in the Holy Spirit And He's given us new life We believe in the crucifixion We believe that He conquered death We believe in the resurrection And He's coming back again We believe So let our faith be more than anthems Greater than the songs we sing And in our weakness and temptations We believe July 31st. And now as we turn our attention to the New Testament, today's reading will come from the book of Romans, chapter 14, verses 1 through 23. You know, your love may be tested more by Christians who disagree with you than by unbelievers who persecute you. It takes a diamond to cut a diamond. What should you do when your brother or sister disagrees with you about how God's people ought to live? 
Well, first of all, there's acceptance. Not all believers are mature, and love demands that the mature members of the family defer to the immature. Love protects people and gives them a chance to grow up. People may be difficult, but we must accept them in love for the Lord's sake. We'll read about accountability. See, we have no right to judge and condemn one another because the judge is the Lord. Each believer will have enough to do in keeping his own account right without interfering with others' accounts. And then there's ambition. Our desire must not be to get everybody to agree with us. Our desire must be to pursue peace, not cause others to stumble and help others to mature in Christ. What starts as grieving can become offending and making weak and causing others to stumble and fall. The result might be destroying a brother's or sister's faith. Is destroying another just to have your own way worth it? And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. July 31st, Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 23. Accept Christians who are weak in faith, and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it is all right to eat anything, but another believer, who has a sensitive conscience, will eat only vegetables. Those who think it is all right to eat anything must not look down on those who won't, and those who won't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn God's servants? They are responsible to the Lord, so let him tell them whether they are right or wrong. The Lord's power will help them do as they should. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. Each person should have a personal conviction about this matter. Those who have a special day for worshiping the Lord are trying to honor Him. Those who eat all kinds of food do so to honor the Lord, since they gave thanks to God before eating. And those who won't eat everything also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we are not our own masters, when we live or when we die. While we live, we live to please the Lord, and when we die, we go to be with the Lord. So in life and in death, we belong to the Lord." Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, so that He might be Lord of those who are alive and of those who have died. So why do you condemn another Christian? Why do you look down on another Christian? Remember, each of us will stand personally before the judgment seat of God. For the Scriptures say, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, and every tongue will confess allegiance to God. Yes, each of us will have to give a personal account to God. So don't condemn each other anymore. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not put an obstacle in another Christian's path. I know and am perfectly sure on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. And if another Christian is distressed by what you eat— you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be condemned for doing something you know is all right. 
For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God, and other people will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, there is nothing wrong with these things in themselves, but it is wrong to eat anything if it makes another person stumble. Don't eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another Christian to stumble. You may have the faith to believe that there is nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who do not condemn themselves by doing something they know is all right. But if people have doubts about whether they should eat something, they shouldn't eat it. They would be condemned for not acting in faith before God. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. There's a long black train coming down the line, feeding off the souls that are lost and crying. Rails of sin, only evil remains. Watch out, brother, for that long black train. Look to the heavens, you can look to the sky. You can find redemption staring back into your eyes. There is protection and there's peace the same Burn in your ticket for that long black train Cause there's victory in the Lord I say Victory in the Lord Cling to the Father and His Holy You know there's victory in the Lord, I say, victory in the Lord, cling to the Father and His holy name, and don't go riding on that long black train. Sounds so good 
But I must stay away That train is a beauty Making everybody stare But its only destination Is the middle of nowhere But you know there's victory In the Lord I say Victory Today we're reading Psalm 24, verses 1 through 10. You know, Psalm 22 points to our Lord's grace in dying for us, and Psalm 23 explains His goodness in caring for us. This psalm reveals His glory in coming for us. We'll see His glory in creation. These verses remind you of Psalms 8 and 19. The world today is in travail because of sin. But the Creator will one day set His creation free. There's glory and salvation. Psalm 15 is a parallel, and both passages emphasize the fact that nobody but the Lord Jesus Christ can meet God's qualifications to live in His holy place. We're all like Jacob, but He is the God of Jacob, and will forgive us and let us live with Him forever. There is glory in the kingdom. These verses may originally have celebrated David's return to Jerusalem from a great victory, but they speak to us of our King of glory. When he rode into Jerusalem, Jesus came in humility and tears. But when he comes again, it will be in power and great glory. Your shepherd is the King of glory. Psalm 24, verses 1-10 through 10, A Psalm of David the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. For He laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have right standing with God their Savior. They alone may enter God's presence and worship the God of Israel. Open up, ancient gates, open up, ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, invincible in battle. Open up, ancient gates, open up, ancient doors. And let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12. Ears to hear and eyes to see. Both are gifts from the Lord. 
Not by sight.